Okay, are we here? We're here. All right, we're on. All right. The experiment is now live. Hi, this is Scott Ranieri. You're listening to, once again, an episode of The Experiment with Scott Ranieri. Uh, so, yeah, back was another week, uh, which means for another week the writer's strike has been going on. And yet again, I'm having to remind myself of why I quit corporate America. I'm going to have a little announcement about something relating to that in the next episode. But for right now, uh, I just want to catch up on crap. I'm going to make this very super short because I very much realized, uh, one, I have not, I did not have any time to record a new episode. So I'm doing this the same day as I should be posting the episode, which sucks because I'm trying to be on top of that. But it's still happening on Monday. It's still, it's still out now. You're still listening to me. I'm still making it happen. And so this episode, Speaking of making it happen with this episode, well, you know what else made it happen? Somehow, somehow a horror movie in New York? Yeah, Scream 6 made it happen, and that's what I'm reviewing this week. Yeah. It's currently available to buy on demand digitally, as well as probably in home format soon enough, but it's also currently available on Paramount+, Plus, which I currently pay for. So I so I watched the movie finally, because I was supposed to watch it in theaters, but I didn't get a chance to. And a lot of things I had... I had suspicions about confirmed and a lot of things that I didn't have suspicions about I should have <laughs> but hey it's still a pretty good movie pretty awesome I enjoyed it I'll give a good review once uh once we get the show started and then I'm also going to talk in that vein since the last two screen movies seem to deal heavily with you know a, a traumatic parentage I get to tell you about how I've been having to go through my life rooting myself rooting through my uh familial and familiar trauma over the last few years in order to make myself feel like a, a better person or at least or at least make myself uphold myself to better personality standards of personality <laughs> um but yeah we're gonna do all that today oh also i want to just give you a couple updates first off uh next week i will be re i will have another new segment uh, in line of the movies and TV, where I ca what I call Scott revisits, where I revisit like a franchise or a movie or something that hasn't that I haven't watched in a hot minute, or I watched semi occasionally, in order to remind myself as to why I keep watching it or why I enjoy it so much. And uh, next week, I'll be talking about the Hunger Games franchise since there's gonna be a prequel coming out, and that's wild to me. But okay. I, I don't read the books, so this is like the film franchise is all I remember of it. I know of it, so I'm like, I'm hyped. But that's uh, where I go. But yeah, that's going to be next week. Uh, I'm still working on the, upset, on the updates for my website, as well as uh, I'm going to be making a slight change to my photography services in terms of my availability for, com availability for comedy shows, but I'll be dropping all that next week. Um, as for right now, uh, please enjoy me blabbing uh, gibberish my way over to the next to the first segment of the show as known as uh, Scott Reviews. So stay tuned for Scott Reviews Scream 6. Whee! Yeah, we're back. Yeah, we're back. What's up, people? Howdy, 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 howdy. It's me, your boy, Scott Ranieri. Yeah, we're back. It's Scott Reviews. Scream 6. And I'm not going to ask you if you like scary movies. If you're listening to this podcast, you know me well enough to know I do, you know, it did. I'm not going to ask you about scary movies, okay? Whatever. We're going to talk about scary movies because today we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about Scream 6, which were 
Scream Six, a radio silence film. Uh, those are the those are the uh, group of filmmakers who've taken over the franchise from the late great Wes Craven and writer Kevin Williamson, also creator of the Vampire Diaries. Uh, since the last film, just simply titled Scream, in parentheses 2022, uh, so that no one messes with the original. Um, so yeah, so yeah, okay. Uh, let me. Let me, let me, let me think, let me think, let me think. What should I say? Oh, yeah, here's what I should say. This movie is pretty good. Brutal as hell. My first note, this is the first two things that I picked up on when I was watching this movie. One, a lot of stabs. That was, people got stabbed in this movie. Like, stabbed. Stabbed. Like I'm, I'm, like I should have known from like the first jump, like in the like the opening, uh, I don't want to say prologue, but in like after the opening title pops up on screen, um, uh, yeah, okay, three things coming to mind. The first thing I was talking about with this movie, yeah, first opening title, also, that that was nuts because it was a really good movie. It's a really good movie still, but the opening title had me. But after the opening title, she talks about how often, um, not she. Sam Carpenter, the daughter of, as revealed in the last movie. Uh, by the way, from this moment on, if you're listening to my reviews, you are you have most like I'm just going to presume you've watched the movie. So, spoiler alert: this is a spoiler-filled review. Okay, okay. If you've seen any of these Scream movies, you should just just be aware they're they're probably going to get spoiled during this fif- the next 15 minutes, which I haven't turned this on, so it's probably going to be more like 13 minutes. I can't turn this around. Okay, let's just. Lift, spin, and there we go. Now we're gonna spin. Sorry, I have an hourglass I do for these sort of things, and I forget to use the hourglass, which is why my reviews end up so long and all meandering. So, as I mentioned, Radio Silence's Scream 6, pretty good, awesome, a lot of stabbing, a lot of numbers of people stabbing, and number high number of people getting stabbed as well. Uh, the film... The film takes place in New York, where the surviving core four—that's what they call themselves. If you've seen the, if you've seen the movie, I know it's super cringy, but still, the core four, so to speak, are back in the are in New York in college, just like Scream Two, and well, just like Scream Two, body count, brutal murders, everything escafuckinglated to a insanely hilarious degree. Seriously, I was laughing at half the half the time about this. It was kind of <laughs> funny. Definitely a little bit, I find it a little better than the last movie. Although I will note that it is kind of, it was kind of a, I don't know. My my thinking is without, without Nev Campbell, it feels a bit, a little bit flat. It holds up, but it's still, but you know, that's just me being a person who's watched all six of these damn movies. Everything just, except for the TV show on MTV, because I didn't trust MTV to have a decent, TV show. Apparently, Teen Wolf, Teen Wolf fans uh, have proven me wrong. But, you know, that, that's the conversation for another time. I haven't even watched Teen Wolf, but that, again, conversation for another time. Scream 6. Uh, features, of course, from the legacy cast, surprisingly enough, uh, Courtney Cox and Hayden Panettiere, who, by the way, it's a, uh, this is the issue. This has got me laughing out loud. And this is the other thing that hit me first off of the movie. When you first see when you first see Kirby, you're like, Kirby's back, and she's a fucking fed? 
that explains a lot. Because I had, from the jump of watching this trailer, I had a huge, me and another person that I was talking to, a friend I was talking to, had a huge problem with their hair. Why did they make her look all like, oh my God, she has the worst hair. What could possibly, she's a fucking narc. My body was reacting to it like, she's a narc. That's why her hair is so shitty. No, no Hollywood depiction of law enforcement ever has them have good hair with the one sole exception of Jillian of Jillian Anderson in the X-Files because I don't know I guess Jillian Anderson just consistently looks hot even when she's you know serving the law or a country that's deranged that's deranged about law and order but she's dealing with aliens so you know I guess all cops are bad including Mulder and Scully and Kirby I don't know it's a lot of philosophical deals Uh, it's also a, a, a deep deep also a deep deep crush i had on hayden panettiere is now being conflicted with this with time removed her being fed her being a fed and uh, god damn it i'm conflicted now i'm gonna move on but it's great to see them both back and also have kirby wrap up a nice little arc of hers being like i'm back bitches and i'm killing and i'm killing and shooting fools this time yes yes well enough she kills she doesn't really kill anybody but she shoots people i'm glad about that thank Thank God. Gave Kirby a gun. Thank fuck. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. Now, if you've seen the movie, it's it's pretty great. Uh, but yeah, the movie also stars, of course, from the from the last previous films, the uh, core four of Melissa Barrera as Sam Carpenter, Jenna Ortega of many, many, many other shows and movies, including two Netflix shows such as season two of You and and the show Wednesday. And the Adam Family series Wednesday from Tim Burton, as well as Jasmine Savoy Brown, who you may find familiar from such things as Yellow Jackets and Missing. And yeah, Yellow Jackets and Missing, and of course, and of course, uh, doing a little voice work in video games like Wolfenstein and Spider-Man Miles Morales, tight, very tight. Uh, also star, also starring Mason Gooding, as as Mindy, as you know, the last judge mentioned as Mindy and Chad. Uh, Jenna Ortega plays Tar- Tara, and Melissa Barrera plays Sam. All of them great, and of course you bring back the main uh, other mainstays such as the voice of the voice of Ghostface himself, Roger Jackson, and and of course back with such. With, and through reflections and de-aging process, Skeet Ulrich is back as a hallucinatory Billy Loomis haunting his daughter, trying to get her to kill. Kill, kill, clear the place yourself. Fuck you, man. <laughs> okay, okay, I, I need to ease up on the, I need to ease up with F-bombs if I want to put this on YouTube. Now I'll have to censor that if I put this on YouTube, but it's great. It's all see, It's all great to see see people back again from the last movie as well as the previous films it's nice to have them come back but also had some new people as well also had some new people like jack champion and josh Segura and delbert moroni and liana liberato and, and a brief appearances from uh tony revolori revolori yes who who, if you remember, if anyone has watched those the recent Spider-Man movies, yeah, he's the one who shits on Peter Parker while hating on. <laughs> he's the one who's yeah, he's just the one hating on Peter Parker and loving and being Spider-Man's number one fan. 
<laughs> which is hilarious. He ends up in the prologue. And then there's and then there's Samara Re- Weaving, who's already been very famous with the uh, horror genre herself, horror and sci-fi genre herself, having been in the film Ready or Not, as well as Guns Akimbo, and, you know, being, the daughter, being one of the daughters of Bill and Ted, and Bill and Ted faced in music. Like, dope. It's awesome. Super, super, super dope. I'm sorry, I'm trying to make sure... Haha! I knew it. I knew it. I'm sorry. Samara Weaving is the niece of Hugo Weaving, most famous for be- portraying one of my favorite characters, Agent Smith, in the Matrix films, in the in the original Matrix trilogy. Which is so I'm like, yay, confirmed. Her uncle is her uncle is <laughs> her uncle is the one I keep thinking of whenever I think of whenever I think of a. Oppressive regimes in science fiction. <laughs> but okay, let me go back to Scream. I'm going too much. Alright. Now, Scream Six is a great movie. It takes place in it takes place entirely in New York, deals with a whole sequel to the requel type thing as uh as Jasmine Savoy Brown's character, Mindy, brings up, and how no one can be trusted and everyone can die. And frankly, yeah, people can die and twists can happen. And apparently, yeah. It, it's a lot. It's wild. The big twist of this movie is even crazier, but I'll get to that towards the end, the next five minutes or three minutes, I should say. <clears throat> but yeah, it's a great, it's great movie, awesomely acted, but also a couple of the kills. I'm just like, damn, brutal as shit. Someone gets their neck snapped after falling like a couple stories off the side of a dumpster and that's just brutal also and i want to bring this up because i put this in the description the number of times people get stabbed in this fucking movie and live it's almost it's almost like cackling levels of of ridiculous like i was cackling towards the end all right i wasn't going to spoil it at this point but i'm we're hit we're, but i'm trying to keep this review short because i'm trying to keep the episodes super short so since i'm going to be delving a good chunk into some stuff I'm recording this episode in the same day. So all this all this whole episode is recorded within a day. I typically try not to do that as much, but you know, it, 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 the scheduling time constraints life kind of throws you a loop. But it's still coming out Mondays. Either way, back to this back to Scream 6. This is all right. So ultra spoiler alert for those who haven't finished Scream 6. If you like watch part of the way, this is your part where you muffle your ears. All right. So at the end of the movie, it's kind of towards the end of the movie. It's big reveal is that nope, you all thought Kirby was the killer, bitch. It's deeper than that. You, it was all obvious from the last. It's, this is from the people from the last movie. They're chasing down Sam. Who could it be? Oh yeah, your boyfriend's family. The, the group of people we didn't see in the movie, like Scream Two, the off-screen, the off-screen heritage, the off-screen bloodline comes to reap its revenge. So the family of Richie's family, uh, I believe, what's his name? Is his name Jack Rayner? Yes. Is it? I have, see, see, this is what happens when I have to go Google myself about crap, because of because this is just kind of like the thing. Magic. Er. No, it's. I just. I bet it is, and I've just been. Jack Quaid. God damn it. I was I was wrong. So wrong. Either way. Jack Quaid. 
of the boys. And yeah, Jack Quaid of the boys, and who I think is an Oppenheimer. I have to double check that. I definitely have to double check that. Uh, is he an Oppenheimer? Because I just watched. They just dropped a new trailer for Oppenheimer, so I have to figure out if that's the case as well. Oh shit, he isn't. I wasn't tripping. He is an Oppenheimer. Yes. Yeah. So Jack Quaid, who was uh, previously in the last movie, who was the murderer in the last movie, even though it was even <laughs> it was a murderer in the last movie, who was pre- who was also Sam's who also played Sam's boyfriend, Richie. And who's also in Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer coming out this summer. He, yeah. So apparently his his sister, his brother, and his daddy, played by Dermot Moroney, of course, the one person who you should have suspected in this entire movie because any dude named Dermot Moroney or Dylan McDermott who's in a horror movie, either one of those actors in that shit, expect them to be heinous. Expect them to be on the dark side of the history. Expect them to be the ones that you suspect the most to be doing some real 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 gnarly crap behind the scenes okay i mean it was worked it worked for dylan mcdermott in american horror story season one the murder house worked for him so with dylan Mulrooney, i'm like i should have known he was the killer it's always one of these two dudes it's always one so yeah turns out the family decided to come into town and reap revenge against sam and tara for the fact of well Sam's Sam's dad just so happens to be a mother Sam's dad actually no Sam's grandpa no no no, I'm sorry let me rephrase Sam's father and grandmother being the first two serial killers of the of the franchise no shit of course two of them of course two of them the first two would always lead back to the new ones it's always the shit it's always a big old loop but yeah that was that was wild to see, and then at, towards the end, once they dispatched with the siblings, Sam just basically dons her father's uh, ghost face get up, including the crusty ass mask that's been around since ninety six, nineteen at least nineteen ninety six, or five, depending on when they set the movie. Yeah, they got stabbed. That dude got stabbed. I think it was like twenty. 30 times he got stabbed and he was still alive she stabbed him so many times that if he lived through that he could become he could be like a an older white version of he could yeah he could be the old white guy version of 50 cent i got stabbed 50 times and they still couldn't get me i mean shit (laughs) you could have to go hard as hell in the rap game if you get if you get murked like that but yeah whatever but he still got you know he still got died he still got deaded. He still got murked because you know you, you you fucked with the daughters of of daughters and half sisters of or half related siblings of serial killers. Duh, duh. There's just it's it's as 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 if our obsession with true crime with true crime in this country wasn't enough. You had to go fuck with the daughters of serial killers. Really? Fail, 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 fail of all of you. Now. As a result, um, it's a really good movie. It's it's pretty good. It's enjoyable. I've laughed at it. It's cheeky at best, and it has one of my favorite lines ever, which is spoken by uh, which is spoken by uh, Mindy, where she's going through the whole sequel to the requel the uh, objective, and she talks about the last killers being a bunch of <laughs> being a couple of dude being some pissy little or not pissy, um. 
I can't remember the line. It is something about, I'll probably look it up. But basically, it ends with the words, if a letterbox instead of a personality. And I had to pause and groan laugh so hard because of how painful that was. That is such an accurate quote. It sucked. Oh my God, it was pain. Oh, okay. All right, I'm now way over this review than I want it to be, but I'm okay with that because it needed to be done. It's Scream. It's fine. I'm okay with it. Scream 6 is available to stream on Paramount Plus right now. You can also buy it on video on demand uh, through various avenues like Amazon and Vudu. But yeah, it's a good movie. Definitely go watch it. I would say out of five, out of, not five. <laughs> yeah, you know what? This is the sixth movie. We'll do it out of five stabs. So how many stabs will I give this? I would give it a, hmm, what's a solid number? We're gonna give it a we're gonna give it a four out of five stabs. Why? Because well it'd be great. I do had a couple of, no I only couple of notes with it was that it still felt it did it felt it went far, but I feel like it didn't go far enough, maybe. Like I like how it teased Gale could have been the killer. I'm not. But that could have been a nice little avenue. It could have te it teased every but, you know, everyone made it out and alive in the end. But I think what bothered me the most is the fact of how they wrote off Sydney in the movie, which is weird. It's really weird. But, you know, that's what happens when, you know, studios don't want to pay people what they owe. So uh, I guess pay the writers and maybe give Nev Campbell a better deal. <laughs> just That's just my opinion. But either way, I'm done. Thanks for listening. And go watch Scream 6 if you feel like it and if you're already like five movies deep. It's a good it's a good one. I'm going to go debate whether or not I should watch the TV series since I have Paramount Plus. But either way, enjoy. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye for now. Okay. Hello once again. It's me, the guy who's been talking the entire episode, Scott Ranieri. And I'm back with a special segment of On My Mind. Now, because my interview ran a little long, well, not interview, my review of Scream 6 running a little long. I'm going to try and make this short as possible. Hold on. Leave me no bit of mic. And here we go. Here we go. I was going to I was gonna spend a little more time on that, but I think I because I enjoyed it, I'm just rambling about Scream 6. I just watched it. It was really good. But it also got me thinking about the trauma patterns and growth, which has been on my mind as of late. Because uh, in the movie, within the last couple of movies, it's focused, Scream is focused on the main character who's, you know, the who's had to deal with very traumatic family members in her past. Some who have caused uh, irreparable damage and in some cases a destructive uh, a destructive and very uh dangerous reputation. Uh such as the main character of the last two films being the granddaughter of spoiler alert or not granddaughter being the daughter of spoiler alert uh the first movie's killers. So, yeah. A lot of craziness. So it got me to thinking about what I've had to do in the last few years in terms of my uh, healing of family and traumatic of family influenced traumatic wounds. So I thought I'd take a few minutes to let you know how I got there to end up in, in my uh, little journey, as I have Jackie Chan movies on mute next to me. So here's what happens so here's what i've realized i was i hip dialed a friend recently if she's listening to this hi <laughs> it, it it was very funny my body literally dialed this person out of the favorite section of my phone 
and it was it was great. She was it was great because I hadn't talked to her in a hot minute, and she was not. And you know, it's always lovely to talk to an old friend, and also I had recently hung out with somebody, a a new friend who I had just uh, who I had met while I was getting hair products, and it was nice to talk with the both of them, as it was nice to remember what it was like to actually have like because i used to do this as friends where you just hang out with people where you just talk with people there's no need to network there's no need to have any form of i'm not good at ulterior motives i've said this on stage i've said this in other area arenas i'm just not i've said this to people's faces like i'm not good at having ulterior motives unless i'm acting then if you could tell yeah if i'm acting you could tell i have ulterior motives <laughs> Because I'm clearly not acting like myself. I'm behave. I'm performing as a character, and I I just can't act with ulterior motives because I've had that happen for much of my life. Where people come into my life trying to get me to do things for them and with them that would probably work against my moral nature. And I've had that happen a few times in my life. Enough times for me to be wary of people in general. So it's kind of like, eh, it's a little catching too. Now people may feel like I'm a little bit weird around me, and that's that's fine, and I'm okay with that. I, I try not to be uh, imposing on people because I've had that imposed on me. What I'm, what am I, what I'm like supposed to, because, you know, I've had jobs where I was supposed to do all types of crap, but I hated that just made me feel personally sick about things, where I was supposed to just lie and goad people into just pretending like things were always going to be all right because that's the system. You can't fix a system that doesn't serve people which is why I hate working in the healthcare industry. Anytime someone suggests a, a, a job in the healthcare industry, it's for very, very terrible amounts of money. It's for also, I think I'm deep into the video now that I could swear, or at least swear without having to figure out whether or not to censor it for a YouTube repost, because I'm going to repost a few of these episodes on YouTube in their full uh, length. Um, but also, whew, yeah, it fucking sucks. It really fucking sucks because it's just irritating when people you trust and you people you like are just, or at least that you thought you could trust and thought you could like, just end up, they don't care. And in some cases, they tell you to your face and you keep hoping for something better. But some people just don't give a shit. Some people just don't care about your well-being because it doesn't serve their interests, even if it is against their own well-being. Like, it's It's chaotic chaotic about that it's just terrible what i mean to say is is that through an old friend and through hanging out with a new friend in an old what i consider to be an old-fashioned way i learned something about myself that without that i haven't been able to achieve that i didn't think i could achieve that i didn't think i had the capacity to achieve before this moment and that's the fact that i think i've I don't think I've complete. I don't. I don't ever think I'll be completely healed from the experiences I've had in the last few years. Um, because in the last, since returning to Los Angeles, I came. I moved away from Los Angeles in. I want to say when I was very young, because of my parents splitting, and then over years, and over like a decade of being in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, it took a toll on me because no one there was really. People were mean to each other. Like I have a best friend I met. I've known from middle school, who literally is one of the handful of people I still want to, I still talk to from that middle school, which isn't even there anymore. It's now like apartments for people who are, who work for Google. It's gentrified as hell right now. 
But me and him have actually gotten to be better friends over the last 20 years I've almost known him. Whew, almost 20 years. Fuck me. It, yeah, passage of time, my dudes. <laughs> but over that time, I realized how much, how proper it is to try to find some form of closure and healing. And when I've attempted to get a therapist after a traumatic incident involving another good friend of mine, where I've kept them from uh, harming themselves, I realized that no one really listens to you. Even the good, even therapists don't listen to you sometimes. And that's sad when they want to deflect and do stuff. And funny enough, this is touched upon in the opening of Scream 6. Where the, like, ther- well, not the opening sequence, but like after the titles, there's a, the main character, Sam, is having to deal with what happened in the previous movie. And every time she tries to open up, it's like they are automatically judging her and directing her to police and direct and trying to direct police to her to her location it's like okay you're not even helping and secondly that's just like you're forcing police you're forcing police onto an already like vulnerable person that's just that's it's adding chaos it's a nice little touch actually of the whole calling the cops on somebody who doesn't need the police real like for real um but to go back to what I was saying, like over the years, I've had to figure that stuff out because the therapist I had for the four sessions was shit, absolute shit. All her recommendation was was just to go get a girlfriend. She didn't have any real recommendations. She was just kind of like, I was in a very insular place, and it took time for me to get out of here. But you know, having an old white lady trying to tell a mixed race young man <laughs> of, of what to do and it not and not linking up with the cultural experiences of said young man's of some young, young, young man's background even after laying it out for her it's just it's just no one listening it's just like circumventing thinking oh you're really it's like this is really your problem you just don't have a girlfriend like fuck you <laughs> should fuck you twice actually i would i mean i wouldn't but go fuck yourself because that's not what i needed over the last few years i realized what i did need and what i needed was rest I needed to be heard. I needed someone to understand. I needed people to understand me as a person rather than just a tool. And I think that was the problem. I made myself very open and available for help, but I forget people conflate boss and people conflate networking with actual friendship a lot of the times, especially in Los Angeles. Like I've there's no, there's there's like a like not a dearth, but rather an abundance of stories an abundance of stories of women having to deal with, of women I've met through Twitter who've had to deal with guys who've dated them just so they could read their screenplay or do other crap. And I'm just like, wow, do you guys not know how to have relationships anymore? This is wild. But I've learned over, especially after having quit a corporate job, I've learned that I've needed to take time for myself and learn that, you know, things take time and it takes time to heal. A couple of the the few months I've taken away from not working in corporate offices anymore has been a great benefit to my, you know, mental health. My financial health, maybe not so much, but it's helped me feel better about me as a person. It's reclaimed my identity because I realized in that state of mind, I was just on all cylinders go, no focus on anything else but to get through one day at a time. I was on survival mode. Nothing else mattered but to be on survival mode. And it burnt me out because I was trying to pad my survival mode with what I wanted to go after. And I didn't have enough hours in the day to do it because all of my time was being taken up by, surprise, surprise, the office job that could not, that needed 
workers ready to give their lives like it was the military. And that was not a workforce I was ready to continue being a part of. So I'm going to round everything out with this. If you're in a position where you feel like you can't find a good therapist, because I know it's hard. I'm not a professional therapist, but I'll tell you what I did do to get through things. I literally just sat down with myself and looked over what had happened in my life objectively. I know that's hard to do sometimes, but I feel like that's the caveat I got from being able to read at such a young age. And as a result, and having that comprehension on top of that, as a result, I've been able to feel, I've been able to actually take responsibility for my actions more and more over the years and not like pivot blame to somewhere else. And also it's given me the unfortunate ability of being able to see other people's insecurities and it sucks because now I'm like, I now understand why I isolate so much. It's because I can feel people's insecurity. I'm not an empath. I won't ever claim to be one because I feel like the people who claim to be empaths are sociopaths. And I already feel I'm a little borderline sociopathic at times and I don't want to be that person. But look, I want to be a better person. And for me to do that, I needed to recognize that I'm not always a great person to be around because I'm human. I have flaws. I may fuck up and do something emotional and stupid. And I have to forgive myself for doing that and make amends to those I may have hurt in the process. At least those who deserve to have an apology. Others who have kind of provoked it. I wish I could apologize and forgive you for that, but I'm also like, look, I can forgive myself for doing that and I can forgive you for your influence on that, but if but unfortunately for some people, there's so much I can forgive, but some people, I have to be honest, cannot be forgiven for some of their actions. Sometimes you are just, I don't think people are too far to be saved, but I think some people are just too far to help, are just too far down the rabbit hole to think they, to think, I don't know. I'm trying not to go back to the narcissist route, but if I've encountered too many narcissists in my life to think people aren't, that's been my fear. I don't want to be, make everything about me but I do need to take care of myself. That's probably why I brought back this podcast so I can talk about taking care of myself and move, trying to make everything about me. Because that way, this podcast can be about me. And everything else I can just put to my leisure. Okay. I think I've said enough. But hey, if but like I said, if you're into that, if you don't have a currently a therapist and, you can't, and you're having trouble finding one and you're having trouble like just reaching out, just keep this in mind. You are not your trauma. You are not the pain that you think defines you. And you are worthy of much more than what you think you are. Take it from somebody who has been beating themselves up so hard that I've had to, that I'm now having to to shun religion because now God is stepping in and causing chaos. (laughs) I've made jokes about it, so it's fine. But look, remember, I know it seems really cliche to say you're not alone in this, but you're actually not alone in this because you're listening to somebody who's basically trying not to do the same thing and repeat old patterns. You know, if your dad's a serial killer, maybe, you know, accept that and, you know, stab people less. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, unless it's self-defense, then, you know, have fun, but... Stuck to my water bottle making a point, but you know, if you stab people, you know, if your dad's a serial killer, you know, just don't stab people unless you absolutely have to, like in self defense situations. Or say if your parents are insecure and taking all types of uh, 
or insecure and taking time away from themselves to be, I don't know, if they're basically forwarding their insecurities onto their kids and you're not taking time for yourself, find some time to take time for yourself because I'm going to tell you right now, eventually you're going to end up having to deal with your parents like they deal with you, like screaming at kids. It's going to be like you're screaming at adult children who feel like they're going to be past the bend of learning and don't feel like they need to be any different than where they are now. Trust me. I love my mom. But at times I have to go tell my mom, this ain't okay and this is wrong. And what you're saying it just makes you sound like a very mean person. And I don't like saying that to my mother. I don't like saying that to any family member. But I would prefer someone call me out for my heinous activity rather than me just having it go unchecked and it get worse at least worse enough to the point where I become a heinous man in its vein because I think I can get away with it and I think I'm entitled to it and I don't life has humbled me too hard but I think I'm done humbling myself on this podcast because I'm sweating <laughs> I'm sweating for because I'm sweating trying to keep the sound out of here and I'm, and there's no air coming in here anymore I need to go open the windows <laughs> thanks for listening take care of yourselves bye <laughs> and with that the experiment is now closed my name is scott ranieri you've just listened to another episode of the experiment with yours truly scott ranieri uh you can find us on the socials via instagram at scott the experiment and on twitter at scott experiment you can find all the episodes of the experiment with scott ranieri on spotify apple podcast and google podcast they air every single monday that's every single Monday because I'm committing to this. <laughs> well, thanks again for listening and you guys have a great week. Bye-bye for now.